The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2019 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycnd.com. All right, let's go, man. Let's go. All right, with that, we'll get started. Um, just, just a show of hands, you know. I mean, how many of you guys, I mean, I know that you're here for, for Mac and all that kind of stuff, but, but, but if we're honest, right, like, how many of you guys just came here to get married? And let's, be, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, I know. No, we know that. We know that. We know that. And so that, that's, this is your time. You know, this is what this time really is about. And uh, so we're going to help you guys. We're going to help you guys get there. Uh, my name is Zach Rogers. This is my wife. I'm Sheffy Rogers. Yeah, give it up for Sheffy. And uh, we work uh, at Illinois State University in Illinois. And um, we are from Tennessee, and so that's where our accents come from, or maybe mine, I don't know. Yeah, not so um, much mine. But we have two kids. We just, they're up there. We just, uh, it's my brother's wedding. And we just, in December, we just celebrated 11 years of marriage, and so it's been fun, been a good time. So thanks, appreciate that. Um, I remember when I was a junior in college and I was sitting at a New Year's conference just like this. It was really big. It was down in uh, Nashville, kind of like what Tony was talking about earlier. And I'll never forget the guy that was talking. He looked down in the crowd and he said, I want everybody to stand up. Don't, don't do this. I'll just tell the story. And so everyone stands up and he says, you see everyone standing up. That's representative of the people that get married in the United States of America. And he said, now I want half of you guys to sit down. And he had half the crowd sit down. And he said, that's the number of people who get divorced that were married before. And then he had about four-fifths of the rest of the people standing up sit down. And he said, those are the number of people who remain married but would say, I'm really dissatisfied. I don't enjoy my marriage. And there was just like this sliver of people that was still standing. And he said, do you see that sliver that's still standing? He said, that's the number of people who get married, remain married, and would say, I have a really enjoyable marriage. I'm glad I'm married. And I kind of remember just sitting there thinking to myself, man, I ain't trying to screw this up. You know what I mean? Like, I am not trying to screw this up. And I would just say who you marry is such a big deal. And how you marry is such a big deal. And those things are very much interrelated. And that may not be obvious to you why that's the case, but uh, you're just going to have to trust me. And so um, what I, what I kind of want to do is we want to give some, take just a few minutes and kind of frame some of the things that we're going to say by giving just kind of like some introductory remarks that I think will help you understand some of the things that we're going to say later. The first thing is, if you're in here and you're a new Christian or you're not a Christian, there are things that we're going to say that may be like, man, that's so weird. You know what I mean? Why would, they, why would they say that? Why would they do that? And I would just suggest to you that the call of Christ is that you would come and die and you would rise again to new life. And it shouldn't blow anyone's mind that what Jesus Christ and the Bible has to say about dating would be different than what the world has to say. That shouldn't blow anyone's mind. You should come into Christianity expecting that dating and everything else will be so radically different. And I think that's just important. I would just say, just open your mind to the possibility that that may happen. And I may say some things, you're like, huh, that's weird, you know. But what's happening right now is not working. That's why only one-tenth of people that get married are saying, I'm married and I'm happy. It's not working. And so we need, we need something else. I think Jesus 
a relatively intelligent human being. And so the second thing that we would like to do is, is we would just like to introduce kind of our, our histories just very, very briefly. There's a lot of people here coming from a lot of different backgrounds, and me and Sheffy come from kind of different ends of the spectrum in our relationship. And so maybe it'll help you be like, okay, that's who's talking, and maybe I can relate with that person as we share more of our story later. But for me personally, I did not grow up as a Christian. Uh, all the mar- all the dates or the uh, what am I trying to say? Like the people I dated in high school, it was kind of more like mini marriages. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of sexual immorality, hookups, all kinds of screwed up things, mistreatment of people, and um, I remember just kind of feeling like, man, I'm I'm kind of messed up. You know what I mean? From all this stuff, because I came to Christ before uh, I came to college, and that was so much of what I was bringing into our relationship when we got married. And so, Jeff, you can share. Yeah, and mine was different. So I became a Christian when I was very young. And my parents were Christians, and they worked really hard to try to instruct us and shield us from having emotional and physical or sexual baggage coming into marriage. And for the most part, I listened to them, and I actually didn't date anybody until after high school. And when I did date somebody, he was a Christian, and at least compared to our friends, we had what at the time seemed to be pretty strict physical boundaries. So, um, And we'll talk more about our story and our experience as we give our talk, but um, hopefully as you listen, you can kind of relate with us at least as much as possible. Good deal. And another thing that we want to say again, just to kind of frame what's going on, is I would like you guys just to consider the possibility that a relationship with the opposite sex could be too big of a deal for you. It could be something that you care about too much, you hold on to too much, you have too much hope that if this happens for me, it will be so amazing. There's you know, it's everything I could ever want. And typically when we have things like that that we're holding on to, we very rarely let anyone else speak into it. You, you would come to a talk like this, and you would kind of feign interest in what I'm up here saying. But the second I say something that begins to kind of touch you in a way that's like, yeah, you're trying to mess with how I want to do this, you're just going to tune me out. And I would just suggest that there are people in here, probably a lot of people in here, if you're anything like I was, who would just be like, the second they say something that's going to keep me from doing what I want to do with Susie or what I want to do with Mark, that, that's where I'm going to kind of be like, no, I'm not going there. And just, I would think, if I were you, I would consider, you know, is this too big of a deal for me? Is it, so, is it such a big deal that no one else can speak into it? You can speak into the way I read my Bible. You can speak into the way I pray. But you can't speak into the way I date. I don't let people speak into that. And I, I think I, I would ask that you just come with a, with a posture of humility. Me and Chef, we, we have prayed for you guys. We want you guys to thrive. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I would want to get up here and talk about dating and relationships for unless it was to help you guys win uh, massively. And so, yep. Um, you want to say something about yeah. that? Yeah, so I think for me it took me a few years after I got married to look back and evaluate um, before I was married. And just to be honest, that I think that I really um, expected marriage to um, fulfill my deepest longings. I had a lot of um, insecurity. Which it has. you can be the judge (laughs) as we we talk Um, but I look back and I just had a lot of insecurities and loneliness and longings and I don't think I could have articulated at the time but marriage felt like a doorway to friendship and pleasure and um, security and um, I think that that I never really like tried to think through like is this realistic or is this right and I, I think that might be common and I think it could cloud, um, it clouded my vision more than I realized, but it can cloud our vision. And when anything that we value ultimately 
um, feels jeopardized at all, I think that it, it's hard to listen. And so, for example, um, from a female perspective, if you maybe believe that deep down, like marriage is going to be like this thing that's really going to really, you know, meet all these deep longings. If there's someone who shows you attention that you're interested in and then someone comes and tries to like influence that or maybe change that, um, it can be very difficult to kind of be open with that. And so um, anyway, that was my experience, but it was, it took me a few years to kind of really be like, well, I guess that was the recap then. So for sure, Uh, this is the last kind of framing thing that we're going to say, but it's the most important thing we're going to say when we're up here is that I would say the biggest mistake that Christians make when they think about dating and relationships is they think about dating in terms of marriage and not in terms of singleness. The Bible actually doesn't have any chapters in it about dating. There is no dating chapter. There's no, like, Paul writes to the Galatians and he addresses how they date. There's nothing like that. There's just commands and prohibitions for married people, and there's commands and prohibitions for single people. And so what typically happens is, is people are single, they begin to date, and they begin to, begin to view themselves more like they're married. And, and that begins to create a lot of problems because they're just two single people. And it's interesting because if you ask anybody who's dating, you say, hey, you know, why are you dating? A good answer is, well, because I want to get married. And so I would assume that you understand you're not yet married since that's why you're dating, therefore you're single. And what you have to understand is, is whatever the Bible says about singleness The Bible says about dating because you're still single when you're dating. And that is something that you have to understand to even make sense of anything else that we're going to say when we're up there because it's really, really important. So what we're going to do now is we're going to give you three things that the Bible is very clear about when it comes to relationships, dating, and marriage. And then we're going to give you three tips, just three pieces of wisdom. You can disagree. You can think, man, those people are so stupid, and that's okay. Um, Obviously, we disagree, right? We're, this, is, this is what we think is smart, right? And so, um, but the first thing the Bible is very, very clear about is this, is uh, same-sex sexual relationships are prohibited. And I don't, I don't say that with any amount of hostility um, or any amount of anger. I say that to say this is how God would have you flourish. Not only the creation, but God's word is testifying that if you're a man, you were made for a woman. And if you were a woman... You were made for a man. And in a room this large, there are probably many people in here that struggle with same-sex attraction. And and that's a sad thing to have to fight and to deal with. And I would encourage you um, to to confess and to to get, um, to tell people about that that can help you and counsel you through that. It's a very, very difficult thing to walk through. Friends of mine, disciples of mine um, have gone, uh, have lived through things like that. And I would just say, Um, that's very sad, but God's word is very clear. This is not the way to thrive. Um, The way to thrive um, is to stay single or to marry someone of the opposite sex. And so, Um, The next one is you must marry a Christian. And depending on when you came to Christ or if you were in a relationship when you came to Christ, I think for some of you that might might seem very obvious, um, but for some of you it might not. Um, And that's a passage that I would point you to. Um, And if you are wrestling and want to, you know, know more about that, I'm sure there's someone um, on your campus that could kind of help you work through that passage and understand um, why that is. But I'm going to tell a story um, just from our life that I think really illustrates what can be very challenging about this particular um, command. So in college, my closest friend 
um, she what began to investigate Christianity her um, the spring semester of her senior year, and by the fall she made a profession of faith. She had had a boyfriend since high school, so they dated all through high school and into college. And he actually proposed like two to three weeks before she like made her profession of faith. And so she was wrestling with that relationship um, just right around the time of her conversion. And so he was actually a lot more church than she was. Um, And so when she started to, like, read the Bible for the first time, suggest some life changes, he, like, had a category for it. And um, grudgingly, with some of the things, like, kind of jumped on board, like they stopped having sex. Um, that was a something he wasn't very excited about, but he was willing, and he started reading the Bible with her and stopped getting drunk. And um, by the time she like really decided to follow Christ, um, she was really wrestling with trying to discern, you know, is he really doing this for him or is he doing this to preserve the relationship? And so, anyway, a few weeks after they, uh, after she uh, became a Christian, she decided to break off the engagement, and it was like super hard Um, she loved him she wanted to marry him obviously Um, not only that but she was from like a really broken family and his family was like a lot more stable than hers and so they she was already very much like a part of their family and we were graduating and I was moving away and she just didn't have any Christian community and but she did she broke off um, the engagement for her own growth and then so that he could have the opportunity to try to kind of figure out his faith for himself um, and he became angry and suicidal. It's kind of like worst case scenario. It went terrible. Um, but she was really hopeful. She was hopeful that maybe, you know, he really was trying to follow Christ. That's definitely what she wanted. And she felt like damaged goods. She just felt like I've kind of made my bed with this relationship and I need to sleep in it. And, um, I can't imagine a man with a pure past that's a Christian being interested in me. All those things were at play. Um, and anyway, he ended up over time kind of going back to his old lifestyle and it became very obvious that he really had no interest in really following Christ. And um, anyway, long story short, a few years later, God actually did bring just a sweet uh, guy into her life that loved God and loved her and they have a couple kids now and they got married and it was great. Um, But I asked her if I could share this with you guys and what she said was so... um, profound she said yeah she said you can tell my story but she said just be honest about my story (laughs) she said um tell them it was just so hard and it wasn't like I broke off this engagement and God like plopped a Christian man like in my life the next day she said it was years and it it was literally years and she said I I'm really grateful for her name her husband's name is Kyle so I'm really grateful for Kyle he's great and he really is just a great guy but she said the point was, I think that God was um, helping me learn that he was better. He was better than a relationship and that I could really trust him and that if I were to, if I followed him in obedience, he would take care of me and not necessarily by giving her a godly husband, even though God proved to do that. And so it was just, to me, it's just, I just watched her walk through that and I couldn't fix it. Like I couldn't promise her anything. I was like, I believe God's good and I believe he'll be good to you, but I don't know how, you know, and just for years, she just walked with him faithfully, and he really did. He just cared for her and brought, you know, friendships and a church into her life, and um, it was just, a, to me, I'll always remember that as just being like, obedience is is best, you know, even over a relationship, um, even a relationship for her that was 
pretty like foundational to her life at the time. Thanks, Jeff. Um, the third thing is this, is that sex is reserved and commanded in marriage. And so um, up on the screen there, you can see the passage, Ephesians 5. Um, and so it, what it says is this, is therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And in this passage, Paul talks about husbands and wives and different things, starting in verse 22. But the reality, but what he ends up, he ends up saying is after he's talked about marriage and the way it works, and he eventually just, as he describes this reality where two people come together and they're totally committed to one another for the rest of their lives, and they also have the opportunity to share the most depthy intimacy imaginable, right? Sex and emotional intimacy and all these things that two people should share in marriage. He's saying that thing, that level of commitment mixed with intimacy that we know as marriage, it actually points to something greater. The creator actually has put that into the creation so that we could get just a sense of his goal for humanity, namely to know Christ and to have a depthy, committed, intimate relationship with him, that marriage is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. And so our goal as we date and marry is to put that on display. That is the design. And so that's why sex and all things sexual is reserved for marriage within the boundaries of that commitment so that you can experience the full level of intimacy with the full level of commitment at the exact same time. That's the way to make sex and relationships flourish. And so that being said, sex and all things sexual are not for anything except for marriage, right? Because it's for marriage itself. And so from the time a person's single through their dating life until they get married, they're to uphold that standard that sex and all things sexual wait. And so there's lots of passages in the Bible about sexual immorality, fornication, all these different things. But the, the passage that I think provides for us a helpful analogy so that we can actually think about how this works is 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. In that passage, Paul is helping uh, young, a younger Timothy understand how to relate with women of the opposite sex. And he says, and other people in the church as well, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. It's like, hey, Timothy, if you want to understand as a single man how you are to function with other young women, it is to function with them as if they were your sister in all purity. And he would know that Timothy would understand this is what I mean, function with them in purity, such that, Timothy, anything that you would not feel comfortable doing with your sister you should have no business doing with any young woman there in your church. And I think that's a very challenging thing to think about when we think about our dating lives, is there's a reality that no one thinks like that, but there's a level and a standard of purity that God has set before us so that we would flourish, so that we would thrive in marriage. And it's that anything that you would not do with your brother or sister, you would not do with anyone that you're not married to. That is the call on your life as a single person, even while you're dating. Yeah, and while we're on the topic of purity, I think it's, we, we thought it'd be worth mentioning technology and just how that kind of presents like a different challenge, we think. Um, and I hope it's obvious that um, probably posting sexual, sensual pictures or sending texts that are, you know, overtly sexual and sensual is not pure. Um, but more what we 
felt like it would be good to address is just like the secrecy that um, technology provides. Um, not only are you not having a face-to-face -face interaction, which I think we all tend to be more bold when we kind of are in the safety of seclusion, but um, you can just text and communicate with like crazy amount of frequency. You could send hundreds of texts to someone um, over the course of the day. And conversations I'm in often are conversations like, well, you know, how often is it okay to text a guy or what kind of things is it okay to like talk about, e even in person, but you know, through text. And, um, and I've found, I think this is helpful, um, maybe not, but what I'll tell girls that are friends with us is I'll say, hey, you know, obviously Zach has lots of friends with women that aren't me and that's healthy and that's good. And, you know, a lot of the girls are friends with Zach and it's like, hey, um, if you wouldn't be comfortable texting Zach like those particular things or if with that frequency, maybe you ought to consider if it's healthy for you to be texting this guy like this, you know? And the reason I think that's helpful is um, while Zach and I obviously have lots of friends of the opposite sex, there's just an understood purity. It's like we're married, we're kind of off the market, and so it's like we can have deep friendships, but they're pure and it's just assumed, you know? And um, sometimes I think to put have that grid, it's like, huh, you know, maybe it, it helps just be a little bit more objective about it. Um, and then another suggestion um, is just to have like your mentor or a friend, accountability partner, just someone who has the right to pick up your phone and just look through your texts and see what you've been talking about, see how often you've been texting somebody. Um, th that can provide a layer of accountability that I think is very healthy if it's if it's like if I, if I am ashamed to show a close girlfriend who I trust, then I probably shouldn't be texting it to someone of the opposite sex. That's kind of a maybe a helpful way to think about it. Um, and then another thing, just a, a story we wanted to share and um, just a point we wanted to talk about was just how difficult, uh, how hard it seems when you're approaching marriage in a relationship and uh, to remain sexually pure. Um, and we've been there, and we know that that's the case. And I think that something that we've kind of observed um, is just maybe sometimes people have like a category for this season um, that it's kind of like this is really hard. Like, you know, it, we, we, we're struggling. We're maybe falling into sin, and it's just really hard. But we're getting married, so it just kind of is, you know. And um, I'm going to share a story with you guys. It's a little, uh, yeah, it's a little surprising, but um, it's good and it's helpful. And I'm not saying this is what you guys should do. <laughs> it's just, it's just maybe, something. Maybe to not. Kinda yeah. Maybe don't do this. But yeah, maybe, but just have it in the back this. of your head. It's, it's an interesting. It's a good story. Um, some of our really good friends, they um, became Christians in college, and they did a great job just of like getting to know people and you know, dating, like, different people, but by the end of their, the, by the beginning of their senior year, they decided that they were interested in one another only, and they started going on dates with just the other, and eventually they became engaged, and it was just really sweet. It was just a good, you know, we were all excited about it. Um, and then, so they got engaged, like, halfway through the fall, um, but by the spring, they were really struggling um, sexually, which, you know, they were planning on getting married. They had, they were planning on getting married in the summer, and it was just like, yeah, it's like obviously you're struggling because it's like you love one another. It's, you know, you're you're going to be married. Um, and so to so what they did was they got married. <laughs> they I think it was like a Thursday night in February. They It was out of control. 
yeah, our pastor at the time married them, and their family didn't come. It was like they didn't have their wedding. They did have a reception that summer, um, which was really sweet. This is for real. This is no joke. Yes, true, true story. That happened. She's not making this up. And, um, and so, anyway, like I said, that I'm not saying, like, yeah, this is what you guys ought to do, but the thing that was helpful about it is you contrast their story with stories that are so common, and for a lot of people, it's like they have three categories. It's like be sexually pure, um, get married, or just kind of stay in this season of this is really hard and we're really struggling and we're really, this is really hard, we're really struggling, you know, up until their wedding. Um, but our friends only had two categories. It was stay sexually pure or get married. And it was just like, okay, you know, like you guys really take this serious, like what God sa- says. And um, so anyway. Like I said, I'm not saying this is what you ought to do, but it's just helpful. Like, have it in the back of your mind. Like, if you're really struggling, you can't always just get married. <laughs> and so, anyway. I mean, really, like, the humiliation of it all was, was kind of crazy. <laughs> and, yeah. So, yeah. you can always do it. Yeah. There's a pastor somewhere that's wanting to marry you. So, um, <laughs> so now we're going to transition to our... Um, dating wisdom. So this isn't God's law. Um, this isn't God's commands. This is just three things that Zach and I uh, think are helpful. So we're going to share them with you guys, and hopefully you'll find them helpful. Um, so the first one is keep it honest. And um, what I mean by that, um, let's see, the, yeah, 1 Corinthians 7, 4, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Um, so, if you're thinking you might need this one day to force your spouse to have sex with you, you can write down the reference. Um, but that's She's not why I shared it with you guys. always trying to use it on me. What did you say? No one believes that. <laughs> like, look, I'm in. I'm in, you know. No need. Um, so, but why I did share it <laughs> is because, um, <laughs> because I want you guys to see that there is a difference. There is a right that married people have that single people don't have. They have physical rights. They have emotional rights. Um, there's a focus and an attention and care that married people sign up for. You know, they say their vows in front of a bunch of people, in front of God. Um, and there's a real, um, there's something there, and it's there's a word for it, and it's called commitment. Um, they're committed to one another, and they're committed um, sexually. They're committed emotionally and spiritually. And um, I think that the one of the issues with dating is that there's th- this commitment. It's like you take some of that commitment and you, like, press it into this relationship where there's not true commitment. And um, what it kind of creates is this environment where people feel like they can control the other person. They have a say over how the person spends their time and um, who they talk to and what they do and lots of things. And in a marriage relationship, to some degree, that's appropriate. It's like, yeah, we've, like, committed to one another, and, you know, I can really, you know, ask things of you. Like, you've made promises to me. Um, But in a dating relationship, it's just not the case. Um, And so, anyway, we have a book up here. We're going to read a little um, dialogue from it. This book is great. It's our favorite book. So, if you're favorite resource on dating. So This is the last one in circulation here at this conference. I'm holding it in my hand. I so think that's actually true. First one to get to me, you can pay $12 for it. So <laughs> Yeah, but it's really good. Um, so we're going to read a little dialogue that kind of illustrates 
this point. In this example, I am the pastor. This is a uh, mock conversation he's come up with, and Sheffy's going to be uh, so-called Sarah here, and uh, we're having a conversation about dating. <laughs> okay, yeah, Sarah. Sarah. Sarah doesn't know. Don't be Sarah. Sarah doesn't know what's coming. So, so Sarah, I would like to spend some time talking about dating relationships, if that's okay. Sure, go ahead. All right, here's my question. What is it about an official dating relationship that, is, that distinguishes it from two people who like each other romantically and go out on dates? Well, the official rela- in the official relationship, the guy and the girl are committed to each other. What do you mean by committed? It means they have a mutual understanding that they're going to date only each other. It's different from casual dating. What do you mean by casual dating? Well, casual dating is when two people are just going out on dates, but they haven't made their relationship exclusive. They can still go out with other people. So in casual dating, you can date whoever you want at any time. That's right. Okay, but in an official dating relationship, that's not possible because the two people are formally committed to each other, right? Yes, they've agreed that from then on, they're only going to date only each other. It's like a form of premarital monogamy. Hmm. So what's the shelf life of this premarital monogamy? How long does it last? Obviously not forever. Either the relationship is going to end in marriage or the couple will realize the relationship doesn't work out for one or the other and it'll end. Doesn't work? You mean when one doesn't like the other anymore? Well, yes, but it can be a bit more complex than that. They might still like each other but discover they have different values or perhaps some friction has worked its way into the relationship. Or perhaps they meet someone else who makes them feel a whole world better, so they realize the present relationship really isn't as solid and meaningful as they thought, and sometimes after a while, things just grow stale. There are a host of reasons to break up with someone. So in a committed dating relationship, either party can end the relationship for any reason at any time and date someone else? Yes. And casual dating is where either party is free to date whomever they want at any time? Right. So what's the difference again? So, anyway, the point of that dialogue. Good dialogue. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you guys love that. Um, yeah. Good. Well, for more of that, this is really the only one. So, if you want more of that here, this is where, you, this is where you're going to get it. So, yeah. um, okay, our, our second on, point on. is. I'm going to say one oh, more thing sorry, about go. that. Um, th- to summarize that, the, the, when you're truly committed is when there's a ring on a finger. That's when the, there's an expensive ring, there's a wedding date coming. That's when you can really say, I'm committed to this person. So, anyway, that's all. That's right. That's right. Okay, so uh, the second thing that's super important uh, is keep it public. We've probably messed this up. Well, we'll get to that. Don't worry about mine. Just leave it where it's at. I'm sc- I've screwed this up. But keep it public uh, is the second thing we want to say, okay? There's kind of two ways to mess up this whole idea of keeping it public. Um, the first way to not keep it public is to never want anyone to speak into it, ne- to kind of be vague with the people who you trust to lead you. Like, yeah, I don't really ever tell you anything about what I'm going to do. I'm going to just kind of do what I want, and I inform you about it. That, that's not that helpful for you. Um, but an all-too-common way to do that, to actually not get advice, is to get advice from someone who you, people who lead you don't know, and then use that as a trump card to come back and let them know what you're going to do. Because, of course, the Bible is all about getting counsel, And so you go get it, 
And then you come back and inform uh, the person who leads you, the people who love you, and uh, speak into your life what you're going to do. And so I'll never forget being in a conversation with a guy. I discipled him for three years. If he wanted to talk about how to study the Bible, we talked about it. You know, if he wanted to learn how to share his faith, he would come ask me about it. If he wanted, if he was struggling in relationship with his parents, we would talk about it. Everything that he had gone through, we had walked through together. And I'll never forget, he came back from a Christmas break one time, and he, he sat me down. He said, hey, man, I, I want to tell you what I'm going to do with Susie. Oh, oh, okay. You know what I mean? I thought you might ask my opinion. I'd love to speak in, you know. Um, but I was like, yeah, man, for sure. You know, tell me what you're thinking. He's like, well, you know, I was at home over the break, and I, I was talking to Scotty, you know, and he was telling me how I ought to do it. And I was like, wait, Scotty? Who, who's Scotty? You know what I mean? He's like, oh, I've never told you about Scotty? And I'm thinking, dude, no, you never told me about Scotty. Three years have gone by, man. You know what I mean? Like, I've discipled you through everything, and at no point up until this point have you ever felt the need to consult Scotty for any reason. But now you're about to go make the biggest decision of your life. And you're like, yeah, man, I got to go talk to Scotty. You know, and you're kind of like, wait, what? And so he answered exactly like I expected him to. Who's Scotty? It's like, oh, Scotty? He's so godly, so wise, you know, and he was telling me all these things. And, and, I got, and the message was very simple. Zach, I know what I want to do. And I went and found somebody who told me I could do it. And you don't know him, so there's no way for you to evaluate how good of advice it was. But I'm telling you, they're super godly and they know everything. They're basically like John Piper in the flesh. So who are you to tell me, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I just kind of remember being like, man, this is a real red flag right now. You know what I mean? This isn't, this isn't a good thing. And I have seen that happen so many times. I, I have lost count of the people who, when it comes time to date a girl, they need to go consult their youth pastor they haven't talked to in 10 years. And it's like, man, that's crazy to me that all of a sudden you need to go dig this person up and ask them what you ought to do. And it's obvious why that is. We want to do what we want to do, and we want to find counselors who are going to tell us we can do it. And it's, it's, it's what happens all the time. So that's one way to not keep it public. The second way to not keep it public is to say, I really like this person. What we need to do is begin to spend a lot of alone time together. And so not only is this dangerous sexually, you know, I mean, you don't really learn that much, you know, at like 1 a.m. watching Netflix alone in the dark. Surprising, you know. Um, but... Apart from that, there's just a reality that if, suppose you're in this situation, and I dare you to go ask any married person when this is over if this is true, only a married person would know what I'm saying completely, is that if someone would have came to me and said, Zach, you're going you're gonna to have to decide in one week if you're going to marry Sheffy, and we weren't married, and you don't know anything about her, but you have two ways to get information about her. I'm going to give you two options. The first option is you guys can be alone, just one room by yourself. 12 hours, you can ask her anything you want to want, you, you want, you want, you can just interrogate her to death, okay, and I don't know what she's going to tell you, but you can ask her whatever you want, you, she can tell you anything she wants, and that's one way you can get information to decide if you want to marry her, or you can never talk to her ever, and we will give you a video of seven days of her life, 24 hours a day, and you can watch how she talks to her parents on the phone, you can watch how she interacts with her roommates, you can watch how she functions at group gatherings. You can see if she meets with God. You can see all kinds of stuff in her life. And you could say, which one of those two options would you rather have? Which one's going to give you better information about whether or not you want to marry that person? There's a lot of college students that think it's alone time. It's interrogation. And you are wrong. It is the video. I don't care what she could tell me about herself. 
I'll tell you anything about myself. You know what I mean? Most people think they're awesome. You know what I mean? You ask them, are you awesome? Like, yeah, you know, I am awesome. But when you watch their life, you're like, I don't know if you're really that awesome. You know what I mean? And the point is, is I don't care what you think about yourself. I care about how you live your life. And so if you want to marry somebody that's awesome, look for somebody that's awesome. You don't have to go be alone with them every day of the week and hang out by yourselves all the time. You can get that information through interacting with them in public. Am I trying to say there's nothing you could ever find out about a person that would be like, maybe not, you know? No, I'm not saying that. But there's really no really wise place to say, what we're going to do is we're just going to spend an infinite amount of time alone because we're trying to figure out how much we like each other. That's probably not the best idea. And so, um, actually, I guess I'm still talking now. No. No, you have something? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, so the third uh, tip for being wise is to keep it short. And so um, once you're in a serious relationship or engaged but getting close to marriage, um, it's right and good for you to become emotionally close and spiritually close and all these things. Um, but obviously to remain sexually pure, it's uh, being coming physically close, It's there's so you have to wait. Um, and so just probably obvious, the shorter that period is, the better. Um, and so that's a recommendation of ours is to keep that period short. Um, and then also just to consider if you're not in a place where marriage is something that's practical, you know, financially or, you know, you're a freshman, you have four years of school and you don't, you don't want to be like Mac and Leanne and get married in college, which is, you know, great. Um, then um, maybe serious dating is maybe not the thing um, because it would be impossible to keep that period short if you start, you know, before a time when you could get married. Awesome. Um, we, at this point, like a lot of times in these type talk, it's hard to figure out, like, how does this really work? You know what I mean? Like, you're talking about a bunch of stuff that's radically different than anything I've ever heard. How does a person go about getting married and, and function like this? Well, here we are, you know, married. I'm about to tell you a little bit of the story, how this, how this kind of works itself out. And so um, when I was, in, when I was a, a senior in college, Sheffy uh, came to school, and she was a freshman. And um, I remember as she got involved in campus outreach, I was like, man, Sheffy is the bomb, you know. And, and I just, I was, you know, it was just like, this girl right here is awesome. But the thing is, is I was going on staff. We lived in Tennessee, and we were about to plant campus outreach in Illinois. It was being planted. And so I had already decided to come on staff and, and go on up. So in my mind, I was like, I'm leaving. You know, she's a freshman. Like, there's really no place for me and her. But all these guys I discipled, I'd be like, dude, you guys have got to marry Sheffy. Like, she, she's the one you want to marry. And there's this other guy, this other staff guy had all these guys. He disciple, and I was like, guys, Sheffy, you've got to marry Sheffy. Like, you've got to keep your eyes on her. She's the one you want to marry. And that guy that discipled those guys set me down the last month of my senior year. I had another semester coming. And, and he looked at me and he said, Zach, man, what do, you, what do you think about Sheffy Franklin? And I was like, dude, she's awesome, isn't she? He was like, yeah, I think so. And he was like, well, I mean, like, why are you telling all these people to marry her? And I was like, I mean, did you not hear what I just said? I think she's awesome. I'm telling them to marry her. I mean, what do you, what's the problem? And he was just looking at me like I was the stupidest person. And he was like, dude, why don't you marry her? What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, man, like, remember, I got to go. Like, I'm leaving. And he was like, no, 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 no. Shut all that stuff up. You need to marry her. And I was like, hmm, Yeah. Maybe I should. And I went back to my room that night, and we had bunk beds in my, in my dorm room. My buddy was above me, and 
I was just laying in my bed, and he was below me. I couldn't see him. I was like, hey, dude, would you marry Sheffy Franklin? And he was like, dude, definitely. He was like, <laughs> he was like, if I wasn't trying to marry Alicia, I would definitely marry Sheffy. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm doing this, you know. Anyway, so I would not have married him, just if you're wondering. Uh, Sorry, I'll pick up. Okay, so um, yeah, so I came. I was. I was. I came to obviously met Zach. That well, we became friends the spring semester of my freshman year, and I had a really big crush on him. Um, but I was really embarrassed, obviously, because he was a senior and I was a freshman, and so I didn't tell anybody about it. I was just. I just had a you know freshman crush on a senior guy. Not that uncommon, um, but try not to take those things serious. Um, but then I guess after this conversation, I think the timeline goes, um, I did, I started to pick up like, maybe he is interested in me a little bit, you know, and, but I still didn't tell anybody because it was really, you know, it's like, but probably not. Um, and then, um, if you've been on a project, we were going on the summer project together. And so, um, he was the, if you've been there, this will make more sense, but he was like the student project director and I was just a mere disciple. So obviously, I didn't tell anyone that I had a crush on this guy. I was like, maybe didn't change anything. liking me or something. Um, and so um, that was a really hilarious summer. It, it was just so many. So I remember my room leader would, I was just in turmoil. I was ridiculous. I mean, so ridiculous. And just crying a lot and just trying to figure things out and embarrassed, not going to talk to anybody about it. And my room leader would be like, Sheffy, are you okay? I'm like, yeah fine everything's great you know and she'd be like it's something I think she had like an inkling and she's like you want to talk about anything like nope I'm great you know it's just funny um I wrote Zach a note during the summer telling him how you know I was I knew that he was still in love with his ex-girlfriend from two years ago who was on project and I was okay with that and they could just like Which I, I wasn't it just wasn't yeah, but I was convinced and I was like this is why things are slow, and, and I, I said, it's fine, you move on, I'll move on, everything's great. He had never even told me that he liked me. I was just like, this is all just it was vibes I was getting. So, but he stuck around. Um, and so by the end, he did, um, he asked my dad if he could uh, pursue me for marriage, um, which made sense because I was still a child, you know, he needed to talk to my dad. I was so young. Um, and so we did, we, by the end of the project we went on our first date right after the project was over and he said he wanted to pursue me for marriage and um so we had for our dating we had three um commitments that we we to for purity to try to um, fight for that and so they were no kissing um no being alone and uh, being in a car was an exception um and then no laying down together and um just this is just an, another tidbit, um, probably mostly for the women, but maybe for the men as well. Um, I, I think for, especially in that season where it's like, we're, it was pretty intense, like we're talking about marriage, it's like I knew it was serious because he was about to graduate, and um, it, to me it felt very much like I just need or desire like affirmation, like are you really, like really interested in me, and like, you know, I, I hope this is going to happen, but just, just kind of like insecurity and just, I think, an appropriate desire for um, affirmation. But anyway, um, there's just a longing there for affection, like physical affection, and I think that's probably common um, for probably men and women um, to desire that. But it wasn't always the most helpful thing to be physically affectionate, you know, as we're, you know, just 
it could be it was harder for Zach probably than it was for me and I don't know just you know if you're in that season or if you're close to that season just tuck that away maybe just be open to like maybe I need to have a conversation with you know my the, who I'm dating and just talk about that like hey is it okay like does it is it hard for you if we like snuggle or lay down or whatever because it might not be hard for you but it really might be hard for the person you're dating um and so anyway just remember keeping things pure is like totally a team effort you both have to work at it um because it yeah it's it's hard so yeah it just and just so it's clear like as we were dating we didn't slap some um, big title on ourselves we were dating it was an activity it wasn't a category dating was something we were doing not something we were we were two single people who liked one another we, we weren't like we're not in some mini marriage waiting on real marriage we're just two people who like one another we've been clear about that but I wasn't trying to control her life she wasn't trying to control my life there was none of that was was happening uh, during this time and so but just to kind of piggyback on something Sheffy said this is something that Sheffy uh, was exemplary in and kind of the fight for purity I'll never forget this time that we were at her house and like she said we had these rules right one of them was that you could not be alone and so the way that worked in rooms was we would never be like in a house alone where no one was there but like we could be in a room alone but the doors were open like anyone could walk in at any time her parents were in the kitchen we were sitting on the couch and we were cold and I, and I said here I'll grab us a blanket and I, I walked over, and there's this stack of blankets, and, and I was going to grab two blankets, one for her and, and one for me. And I, I grab the top, and I go to toss it to her, and she looks at me, and she says, I'm not getting under that blanket with you. <laughs> and I was like, all right, awesome. <laughs> like, I wasn't trying to get under the blanket with you. This is just your blanket. I'm going to get my own. But, but the thing is, is that I learned something in that moment, which is like, hey, this girl didn't borrow anyone else's convictions. This has nothing to do with campus outreach or anything like that, is that she's committed to purity. And if I were to first do the first stupid thing, right, you know, hand slap. And I knew at that moment, like, hey, like, I'm serious about this. But the second I stop being, the second I begin to do something stupid, I don't know what she'll do. You know what I mean? Because she's, I mean, she's going to stop me already you know and so anyways I would just say that the experience that that I would warn you against is this and this is what happens when people borrow other people's convictions is that we're dating and we know our three convictions are these or whatever however many people make mistake of having 20 you know it's pretty clear if you're not alone you don't lay down together you don't kiss nothing crazy gonna happen you know what I mean it's pretty simple stuff um, but what happens is you have this line like we don't do X and what happens is, is one of you two steps over and then you look at the other one like you're gonna call me out you're gonna say anything about the fact that I just crossed the line and when you don't guess what I'm about to do I'm about to take another one you know what I mean and you don't say anything about that I'm just gonna keep doing it I've watched this happen innumerable amounts of time and the reality is is I would just encourage especially you women um, just to be hand smackers man like no like we ain't going there and, and it's it's shameful for a man um, and it's a good good shame so Good thing for them. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of finish out our story. Um, so we, uh, so just to give you a little perspective, I'm not, I'm not sure that you want to uh, replicate this exact thing. Um, but we went on our first date right after summer project, maybe like August 5th or something like that. And then we uh, went on dates for a little while. And come uh, October, that's right, just a couple months later, we uh, went ahead. I thought, you know, this probably going to work out like you, like this for you because I knew for sure, I was ready to marry Sheffy. Um, you may not know that, but man, for me, it was like, 
I've seen the video, I'm ready to get married. So, got a ring, gave it to her, asked her to marry me in October. She said, yeah, for sure, let's do it. And, uh, and then two months later, we got married in December. So our whole deal from the time I took her on our first date until the time we got married uh, was October to December. I'm not saying that's what you should do. It's um, really short. There were things, there, there were cons, okay? But I'll tell you what, in terms of fighting for purity, it was pretty easy. You know what I mean? It's like, this is over any second now, you know? And we, we stood up there the day we got married, and, 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 the, and the pastor said, you may kiss the bride, and that was the first time we'd ever kissed. And, he's, and this was it. Like, from now on, this is yours, and, and, and intimacy and commitment all came at the same time. In the same way that a person commits their life to Christ and now has infinite intimacy with God the Father. The perfect picture, right, of intimacy and commitment at the exact same time. That's exactly how God has designed this to work. And so I would just uh, encourage, we kind of want to close our time uh, like this. We would just say our marriage, even though we actually had a really uh, pure, good dating life, our marriage has been very difficult. We are very, very different people. Uh, both very difficult. Very, yeah, very, um, we're different people and relatively intense people, and so that intensity at times gets turned on uh, the other. And But the thing is, is I say that so that you would know that your Savior is not a good dating relationship. Like, if you date amazing, um, your marriage is probably still going to be hard, you know? And if you date terrible, your marriage is probably still going to be hard. Um, but there's just a reality that your hope, everyone in this room, if you've screwed so many things up, if you've got tons of baggage like I did coming into your marriage, your hope is not a great dating record. Your hope when you get married is the faithfulness of God to you, that he would just keep you and meet you in every circumstance, that the gospel would be true for you, that you could bring stuff into marriage that you never imagined, and there could be forgiveness and reconciliation that you can fight and that you can repent and you can make up. And 11 years later, that's all I can speak to. You can say, I love my wife more than I did the day we got married because God's faithfulness to us, not because we were pure in dating. You will screw things up probably. I hope you don't. You really should fight not to. It will set you up with a lot of trust when you eventually get married. But your hope is not to do this perfectly, to do exactly like we did it or anything like that. Uh, just to walk with Christ and to uh, be committed to the gospel and receive God's commitment of just just commitment back to you to continue to welcome you to himself and help you welcome one another back and forth. And so, anyways, that's your hope um, in marriage. And so we hope that's helpful for you guys. Um, appreciate you coming. And uh, see you around. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conyc.com.